All right, everybody. Happy Easter. He is risen. He, one more time, just so the kids know how we, how we roll here. When we say, he is risen. Indeed, yes, indeed. Awesome. I hope you guys believe it. We were just praying earlier, and I felt um, just even the last few days, just the Lord drew me to that scripture in Romans 10, and we'll, we'll read it tonight if we get there. And, uh, you know, it's where Paul says that if you believe in your, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, right? So we, we confess Jesus as Lord. We come to believe in him. We come to place our faith in him and his, in his finished work on the cross to take away our sins, right, and to save us. We, we cry out, Jesus, save me. I need salvation. I want to be forgiven. So I believe in you. I put my trust in you. Would you come into my life? You know, whatever version of that sinner's prayer that we have learned to pray, if you even prayed that. Um, some people probably didn't pray it. I don't think it's actually required to pray a specific prayer. It's all about coming to faith in Jesus, right? But when we when we believe in him, then it's important. I mean, there we go. We want the King of Glory to come in, but not in my ears right now, through, through Melissa Helzer's voice. So we, we put our faith in Jesus, but there's a place where we confess him. I know a lot of times we just say, well, you know, my relationship with Jesus is my personal relationship. I just keep it to myself. It's personal. <laughs> now, true, it is personal. But, there, but there, is, there is a plan. There is an agenda that heaven has. See, Jesus not only came and died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and my sins, he was raised from the dead so that you and I could have a resurrection life, new life inside of us. And not only that, but when he ascended back into heaven and at Pentecost, the presence of the Holy Spirit was poured out, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was to give us boldness, to empower us to be witnesses. So whatever your witness looks like, it usually requires your words. And it doesn't have to be articulated, uh, deep theo theological discussion of the, the four gospel laws and you know, how, to get, how to get you saved. Sometimes it's just letting someone know, hey, you know, Jesus really loves you. God really loves you. I don't know how to explain it, but I know he loves me and he did something in my life. And I know he could do it for you. So that, that's, that kind of comes under, under the covering of confessing Jesus as Lord. But I think it even goes further than that. It, it's you and I confessing to him that we desire his, his rule and his reign over our lives, right? Like if he's our king, then we must be subjects of his kingdom or the king's domain. So that scripture, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and then there's a second part, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I had to check my theology. I mean, didn't, not, not really my theology. I had to check my own personal conviction of remembering the reality that Jesus was raised from the dead. Like, if he is alive, then that reality needs to really impact my life right now. There's something about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. There's something about him 
being alive and us believing it. Like if we truly believe that he is alive right now, then we believe that he's going to return. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is real and he's with us right now to empower us, to walk with us, to, to make us more like Jesus. So why don't we stand up? <laughs> it's so weird. Now the room is lopsided on this side. I don't know. I don't get it. But, you know, we're missing the Torreses. They would fill that side of the room. There we go. Judy will walk in and she'll be confused. So, happy Easter, you guys. We're, we're glad we're all here together. We get to worship Jesus. More than anything, we just, we, we invite his presence even right now just to come. We want to encounter him. We want to worship Jesus. We want to we want to enjoy his presence together as the family of God. So, so we just want to encourage everyone here, just, just be free in worship tonight. Just lose all of, your, all of your walls, all of your barriers. Just kick anything down, any obstacle down that might keep you from fully worshiping Jesus tonight. His blood has made a way for you and I to go into the most holy place right now. So let's go there. I want to pray, and then let's worship. So Jesus, we've just fixed our eyes on you right now. We thank you, Jesus, that you became the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that it is by your blood, your poured out blood on the cross, that, you, that we have access, that we have the invitation to come into your throne room right now. So we come, Lord, at your bidding, at your word, we come into your most holy place by the blood of the Lamb through that new and living way opened for us through your broken body. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you that in your presence there is freedom. In your presence there is life. In your presence tonight there is healing for our bodies. There is realignment in our thinking. So, Lord, we just come before you, before your throne of grace, and we offer to you all that we are tonight. We offer our bodies to you, head to toe, inside out, all that we are. We give it to you, and we lay it on this altar that we call worship. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, now to come and rest on these sacrifices. Rest on these living sacrifices of our lives, of our all. And would you come, and as you rest on us, would you come and just have your way and make us more like King Jesus tonight, we pray. And the saints all said, amen. amen. You guys ready to worship? All right, let's worship Jesus. Oh, and I forgot about that announcement. Just ignore that. Here we go. Let's worship. Thank you, Jesus. You set us free. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. lost
we were lost in our sin. And you sent your one and only son. Your only son. Those nails were meant for my hands. That crown of thorns was meant for my head. I was doomed. But you sent your one and only son for us. transgressions humbly you came as a lamb we were once separated from love but then you sent your one and only son you died for us again you paid it all you paid it all for us and because of you Jesus we get to be with you again your blood washed us clean your body was broken for our transgressions but you rose again and you ascended to the throne victorious victorious over death hell and the grave and because of you we have new life newness of life with you thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus all glory to you all glory to you father everybody let's just give him glory thank you lord we give you glory hallelujah hallelujah give him all your praise guys he paid it all he paid such a huge debt for us thank you jesus thank you father for sending your only son and you rose again victorious victorious over death you paid all of our debts when we didn't deserve it and you gave us freedom hallelujah
You deserve the highest praise. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here tonight. You don't hold back your love. You never hold back your love. Thank you for loving on us, Father. We love you, Jesus. Nothing else matters than your presence. Thank you, Father. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Is anybody here feeling a heaviness? Is anybody, I just feel it. Is there anybody here feeling a heaviness on your heart, on your chest tonight? I'm not gonna interrupt you, I want you to keep going, but. I was feeling the same thing that scripture Isaiah 61 for the spirit of, I forget what it says for the spirit of heaviness he wants to give you something it's in there to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Is that is that anybody here? Raise your hand if that's you feeling heaviness. Any heart issues or the depression or anxiety? Okay. So Lord God, I just lift up your word and I thank you for the resurrection power of the cross. I thank you, Lord God, for the power of your name, the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, for the power of the blood. And I just declare right now in this house that the spirit of heaviness must go in Jesus' name. That every captive will be set free in the name of Jesus. That you have given us the keys of the kingdom and you took back the keys, Lord God, of hell, death, and the grave. And it's by the power of your name that today we get to step in as sons and daughters and step into righteousness, freedom, and liberty. Lord God, I just break the chains, Lord God, of the spirit of death in Jesus' name. Any hopelessness and despair, I break that assignment right off in Jesus' name. And Lord God, we just release the truth of your love. Holy Spirit, will you just come in right now and minister? You know who needs to be ministered to in this room? Who is listening to this later on, Lord God? Would you just release the spirit of the love of Jesus and the wisdom, the discernment, and the revelation of the resurrection power of the cross? That you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are alive today. Every day is the resurrection day of Jesus Christ. 
The Lord wants to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We welcome your ministry into this room tonight. Lord, we know that you want to break off that spirit of heaviness. So we just declare tonight freedom. We declare tonight a spirit of praise, garments of praise over the hearts of every person here tonight. I feel like we just want to call it out one more time. If that's you, if you feel, I was feeling this pressure right in the middle of my chest and I was hearing the spirit of heaviness. She got it and confirmed it. I feel like the Lord wants to remove it. There's this scripture that's been kind of bugging me for the last couple days um, since Wednesday. But it's Jesus. He said, if, but, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons. We're not calling everything a demon. Sometimes a spirit of heaviness is just your own spirit. But it's, it's not something that belongs on you. But it, but it could be an attached critter doesn't mean that you did something wrong. It just means that we, we are in a battle and the enemy likes to grab a hold of us and try to get a hook into an access point. And all we are here saying is we are, we're here to partner with heaven because God wants to break that off now. The finger of God is on your heart right now. So if it's you, if you, I'm not gonna keep pressuring, but if it's you, just pop your hand up. We won't have you come up here, we'll get around you. So if that's you, just, and if not, well, I guess it's just me. I guess Cara's got it. So you could pray for Cara. Okay, so we got, so maybe we can get some ladies to get over there on, on that royal daughter of God. Jesus said, if I cast out a demon by, see, they were accusing him of using demonic spirits to cast out demons. They didn't believe that he was operating in the power of God and Jesus confronted them. He said, if it's by, it is by, if it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So we just release the kingdom of God upon this daughter of God right now. While they're praying over here, 
just want to take a moment for our, uh, our, our folks, um, our ministry team. You know who you are. If you have a prophetic unction right now, if the Lord's speaking something to you, then I just want you to come up here. I just want to encourage you, sir, appreciate your bravery stepping into a place where you haven't met anybody here and I just want to bless what God is doing in your life. I just want to speak blessing on it because I feel like God is all over you right now. I feel like he's been all over your life for, for days, days, weeks, I don't know how long, but I feel like you came in and he's just on you. And Jesus is often described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a roaring lion. He is fierce, but he's, he's fierce for you. Not fierce against you, he's for you. And he's so fierce and protective. He surrounds us, he encircles us to protect us. And I just feel like he's just surrounding you with protection, surrounding you with like a shield. The enemy wants to try to take any of us out. He wants to take, that includes you too. And the enemy is invisible. Sometimes the enemy manifests through physical people. But the enemy, the, the battle we fight is not against people. It's actually against demonic spirits. In Jesus, I believe he's just like the lion of Judah. He's just circling around you. He's just like pacing around. He's like, no one come near my son. This one's mine. So I just speak over you tonight. If anything ministers to you, we just want you to know that, that he is for you. He is protecting you. And he declares over you that you are his. You belong to him. That you are his. Jesus paid a high price for you, for me, for everyone in this room. He paid the ultimate price to take away our biggest mountain in front of us between God and us. The biggest mountain of sin. He obliterated it. When Jesus says you can speak to a mountain and tell it to go, into the heart of the sea. That's exactly what he did with our sins on the cross. When he said, it is finished, your sin debt was like flat, gone, washed away. And just the ocean waves of that sea of forgetfulness just comes in and pulls all of the debris away. felt that break off so let's just give a shout to Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you for your freedom Lord for your freedom for the love of Jesus that he pours it out on each one of us and also Lord that you work corporately so we can help each other and build each other up Thank you, Lord, for pouring out your love and your spirit, Lord God, for the brethren gathering together, Lord God. Lord God, coming together to worship you and minister to each other, Jesus. Thank you that we get to do that. Thank you, Lord. We just bless your body, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we're, we're not done. <clears throat> we're going to feast. 
We're going to feast on the written word, and then we're going to feast on the living word. Uh, these guys are going to walk us through communion in a little bit, but we're just going to take maybe 15 minutes and just look at the word of God. You guys good with that? Happy Easter. I hope you're enjoying the presence of God tonight. Just Sometimes there's no better thing to do than just to bask in the presence of God, just to, just to rest. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't give us orders to come into his presence with offerings and he doesn't say, you know, get your life right and then come talk to me. He says, come to me as you are. I, he, he says, I am the one who sanctifies you. We are sanctified, which just means made clean, a process of being made clean. We are sanctified by the word of God. Jesus prayed for us. He said, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So the word of God is like soap. It, it sanctifies, it cleans, it purifies. So he just says, come as you are. Let, let the washing of the water of the word just wash over you tonight. God's, God's good, and his, his promises are good. His promises never fail. Right, Gail? Just, just never fail, Gail. Just, it rhymes. That's my word for you tonight. The Lord says to you, his love for you will never fail, because you are an unfailing Gail. And like a gale wind of force, he is riding with you in the heavenlies, and he is on your side. He has got your back, and he is in your sail, Gail. Is it on sale? No. It's, <laughs> it's never stale. It's always fresh. Hey, I'm on a roll. I might start rapping here. <laughs> I'm going to back up a little bit. Well, happy Easter, gang. And uh, Jesus, he truly is risen. He is alive. Jesus is alive. If he's not alive, then what we're doing right now is useless. This is, this is dumb. You might as well just go home and get wasted and watch football or whatever. I don't, what's on right now? I don't even know. Baseball, basketball. <laughs> whatever people do on Sundays when they're not going to church. He's alive. I know he's alive because he came into my life 34, 35 years ago. 35 years ago. Like right before my 21st birthday. It was 34 years ago this year. I was dead on the inside. I was a walking corpse. I can show you pictures, but I don't have them with me. But I was pale. I was a Satanist, self-proclaimed, not like... I didn't have my credentials, but I was on the road there. I was ready to get trained and equipped and released on a different mission. Now God said, no, I'm going to train and equip and release you for my kingdom. But, but he came in. He filled me like a dead body. And all I could do is say, I don't know how I could ever fix my own life. I don't know how I could ever change. All I know is I surrender to you. I give you my life. And I said all of that, something like that, in the middle of a bunch of tears and could hardly get my words out. And I don't know what you guys have had for your experience, but when I got off that floor and dried my face off, I was alive. I was alive. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of me and he gave me new life, new birth. And even my family members, 
my uh, sister-in-law, Paula, she's like, you look different. You look like you got some sun. So I had color. I was pale, like a black metal soldier. Black metal as in the music. Anyway, that's my testimony. But my testimony didn't, just didn't end, start and end there. My testimony is the journey that I've been on with Jesus. Seven years into it, he brought this lady into my life. And then a year after that, after being married, two years after that, we had our firstborn back there, and then our secondborn, wherever she's at in Port Orchard, and then our thirdborn, then our fourthborn, then our fifthborn. And then this journey that he's taken us on through our highs and our lows, through, through, the, through the joy and through the pain. I'm telling you, he's faithful through it all. He's faithful to the end. He's faithful to the end. All you got to do is take hold of his hand and say, Jesus, I will walk with you. And if I stumble, if I fall, will you just lift me back up? Just pick me back up. And I will brush off as you help me brush off, Lord, and I will continue moving forward with you. That's really the simplicity of a relationship with God. But there's so much more. There's so much. You enter through the narrow gate, the, the only way to God, which is through Jesus Christ. He is the way and the truth and the life. No one can get to God, the Father, through, but through him. There's no other name that could save us, no other name that could take our sin and our shame and wash it away. It is a narrow road, a narrow gate. Once you go into that narrow gate, the kingdom realm of heaven that God has for you to explore is huge and it is vast and it is fun and it is full with wonder and mystery and power and supernatural activity. So if you're hungry for the supernatural, you're in the right place. You've come to the right place. You've come to the right king. He is the king of glory. And who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, yes. His name is Jesus. So the scriptures talked about our king. You know, 2,000 years ago, he went to the cross for us. It's been a long time. But we should never grow weary. We should never grow faint in saying, the Lord's been 2,000 years now. Is he really going to ever show up? The word of God tells us he is, he is not slow in keeping his promises. With the Lord, a, a day, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. He is faithful and he is going to fulfill his promises and he will return. He is coming back. I don't know about you, but when I listen to the news and I hear about things like Amazon One, where they're going to put a technology under the palm of your skin, a little chip, and you can pay right there and go. I thought, I joked about it forever. We'd go into the store, I'd put my phone up there, I'd go bling, and I'd tease the, the person at the register. I'd say, yeah, well, someday it'll just be under my, under my, I didn't say my, maybe, maybe I did. Under. under your hand or on your forehead, and then you just take the scanner and go beep, or beep. And now, this, just this week, I'm hearing the promotion of Amazon One, or whatever it was called. And then there's a couple different companies. They're all, you know, this, I'm not saying the end is like next year or something, but I, I, as Bill Johnson said a year ago, a year ago, Bill Johnson said, I think we're in the dress rehearsal because the Bible talks about this stuff. Revelation chapter 13, I believe, talks about the number of the beast, how, 
whoever would receive the mark of the beast in the palm of their hand or on their forehead, they would be able to buy and do tra sell, tra do transactions. So it's, it's down the road, it's moving forward. The devil knows his time is short. He's getting anxious, he's getting stupid. He's making a lot of mistakes and we're seeing, ah, he's letting his slip show. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> correct. <laughs> devil has a slip on and a skirt, pretty sure of it. Okay, so, so anyway, now back to the scriptures, away from my rant, 750 years ago, before Jesus, not, no, excuse me, 2,750 years ago, or 750 years before Jesus even came onto this earth in the form of a human baby, this is what the prophet Isaiah wrote. So we're going to read some scripture. This is from the Passion Translation. I hope it was the accurate version because it was someone else's thing they put forward, but I'm pretty sure it was correct. So you can read it out loud if you want, or you can just let me read it. It's up to you. Read it out of your breath. So this is just the whole chapter of Isaiah 53, 750 years before Jesus was born. This was prophecy. The Old Testament is filled with prophecies about Jesus. And they're very specific about what he would do, what he would experience when he was on the earth. So who has truly believed our revelation? To whom will Yahweh reveal his mighty arm? He sprouted up like a tender plant before the Lord like a root in parched soil. He possessed no distinguishing beauty or outward splendor to catch our attention, nothing special in his appearance to make us desire him. He's just a carpenter. He's buff. He was despised and rejected by men. He is a man of sorrows, deep sorrows, who is no stranger to suffering and grief. Someone needs to hear that tonight. If you are struggling with a season of sorrow, deep sorrow, your king knows exactly what you're going through. He was a man of sorrows, deep sorrows. He was no stranger to suffering and grief. He knows your pain. He's felt it. We hid our faces from him in disgust and consider him a nobody, not worthy of respect. Yet he was the one who carried our sicknesses and endured the torment of our sufferings. We viewed him as one who was being punished for something he himself had done, as one who was struck down by God and brought low. But that's not the case. It was because of our rebellious deeds that he was pierced and because of our sins that he was crushed. You can read in the New Testament in Acts about the guy who is in his little chariot going for a little ride. Reading Isaiah, reading this very scripture. And one of the disciples comes up alongside of him led by the Spirit. What are you reading? I'm reading Isaiah 53. Didn't say it quite like that. Who's the prophet talking about? Well, let me tell you. This is our Jesus. He endured the punishment that made us completely whole. And in his wounding, we found our healing. 
Like wayward sheep, we have all wandered astray. Each of us has turned from God's paths and chosen our own way. Even so, Yahweh laid the guilt of our every sin upon him. I'm telling you, it's not fair. It's not fair. He chose to do it. He chose to come and do all of this even when you and I were giving God the finger or whatever it was you were doing to show your wall of you don't want me and I don't want you and I'll go my own way. Even when you were like that, even when I was like that, because that's how I was, the hound of heaven chases you down. He chased me down. He pursues you. He chose you before you chose him. You might think you chose Jesus, but actually he chose you first. He is in pursuit of his sons and daughters. I don't understand it all. I can't see it all, but I know that's what was happening in my life because I can look back and I could see how he was pursuing me. And then when he cornered me in my living room floor, he crushed my heart with the power of the word of God and broke me into a, a soft puddle of brokenness. And that's what he put back together and breathed his spirit inside of and brought me in back to life and made me a new creation. But Jesus is that one. He's the one. He took our guilt and our sin upon him. God laid all of that on him. The spotless lamb on the cross had all of your sin, all of your sickness, all of your brokenness, all of your pain placed on his one and only son, his pure spotless son. Let's continue on in this scripture here. He was oppressed and harshly mistreated. Still, he humbly submitted, refusing to defend himself. He was brought like a gentle lamb to be slaughtered. Like a silent sheep before his shearers, he didn't even open his mouth. I don't know about you, I don't think I could do it. I think I would be like the first person that pulled the hairs out of my beard. I don't have a beard, but you know, imagine. I don't think good words would come out of my mouth. He said nothing. He just took it. What a mighty God. What a, what a mighty Lord. He's so good. By coercion with a perversion of justice, he was taken away. See, they wanted the guy who was guilty of sin, guilty of crime, to be released instead of him, the one who did nothing wrong. <laughs> it's crazy. It sounds like justice today sometimes. And who could have imagined his future? He was cut down in the prime of life. For the rebellion of his own people, he was struck down in their place. They gave him a grave among criminals, but he ended up instead in a rich man's tomb, although he had done no violence nor spoken deceitfully. Even though it pleased Yahweh to crush him with grief, he will be restored to favor. See, this was prophesied what would happen, and this is how it is right now 
Jesus has been restored to favor. The son he loves. This is my son I love, who with whom I am well pleased. That's Jesus. After his soul becomes a guilt offering, he will gaze upon his many offspring. That's you and me. He looks upon us. He looks at you and me right now and he says, these are the ones that I saved. And all of them out there, all of those people in the world that will come to him, that he's drawing right now, his offspring. He will gaze upon his many offspring and prolong his days. And through him, Yahweh's deepest desires will be fully accomplished. After the great anguish of his soul, he will see light and be fully satisfied. When Jesus ascended back to the Father, he sat down. He sat down. The, the job is done. The victory is complete. Now he waits. The Bible says he waits for all of his enemies, all of his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. He waits and watches you and, you and I, his people, his, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, wearing army boots. Yes, bride, you wear army boots. If we're a bride, guys, then we're wearing army boots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I've got to try to lighten you guys up a little bit. You guys are so serious. I know that. I just read Isaiah 53, and it is somber. It's, it's sobering. Let's take another look. So that was 750 years before Jesus. So 600 years before Christ, we read from Psalm 22, and I believe this is a Psalm of David, but I didn't do my math, or my, excuse me, my math, my math and my homework. <clears throat> Pretty sure. Not everything in Psalms is David, of course, but someone wrote this 600 years before Jesus, and it is the Word of God, and this is the prophecy. David, thank you, I thought it was. Just should second guess myself. I should just say it like I know it, and you guys would be like, oh, he's so smart. He really knows the Bible well. So here we go, Psalm 22. I usually use the first uh, couple verses in this for starting worship out because it, it says that you are, in, you are enthroned as the Holy One on the praises of your people Israel. Awesome reference for scripture because when we worship, our praises go up, he is enthroned, he inhabits our praises. But this, this scripture, Psalm 22, is a prophetic picture about Jesus going to the cross. I only pulled a little bit of it, uh, verses 14 through 18, but it says, you know what? That's not Psalm 22. That's the rest of Isaiah. Why didn't you tell me you were shaking your head? Oh, oh, okay. So you didn't know. You just noticed. They noticed. I just noticed. We're not there yet. So let's finish Isaiah 53. Thank you. That's this little laughter here. Ha, ha, ha. All right. So... Back to the somber Isaiah 53, 750 years before Christ. By knowing him, the righteous one, my servant will make many to be righteous. That's the good news right there. He will make you to be righteous because he, your sin bearer, carried away their sins. So I, Yahweh, will assign him a portion among a great multitude and he will triumph and divide the spoils of victory with his mighty ones. That's a promise right there that you and I can hold on to. He wants to divide the spoils of his victory among his mighty ones. Are you one of his mighty ones? Yeah. All right, well, look at your neighbor and say, you're a mighty one. 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 
Okay. There you go. I've got to wake you guys up a little bit. All because he poured out his life blood to death. He was counted among the worst of sinners, yet he carried sin's burden for many and intercedes for those who are rebels. You rebels. Look at your neighbor and say, you rebel. <laughs> okay, maybe you shouldn't say that. Psalm 22, back to the 600, and 600 years before Christ, by King David. King David prophesied, Now I'm completely exhausted. Every joint of my body has been pulled apart. This is a picture of the cross. My courage has melted away. I'm so thirsty and parched, my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. And now you lay me in the dust of death. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Like a pack of wild dogs, they tear at me, swirling around me with their hatred. A band of evil men surrounds me. I can count all my bones. Look at how they gloat over me and stare. With a toss of the dice, they divide my clothes among themselves, gambling for my garments. Yahweh, please don't stay far away. My strength come quickly to my rescue. Jesus on the cross, remember, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Don't abandon me. What he went through for us, guys. But that was prophesied. The word of God spoke and predicted. It prophesied all of this that would happen to Jesus. So many other details. There's dozens and dozens of prophecies throughout the Old Testament going all the way to the Garden of Eden. When Jesus, well, not Jesus, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned and God spoke the, the results, the consequences of their disobedience over Adam and over Eve and over the enemy. When he spoke to the devil, he said, I will place enmity between you and the woman, your offspring and hers. You will, he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. That was the first little glimpse some kind of battle that would happen in, into the future, pointing to Jesus. Are you guys done with scriptures yet? You're like, okay, that's enough Bible. Or, or is there a Bible deficit in some of you right now? And you're just like, I'm so hungry, I just tasted a little scripture. Will you give me more, please? More, please. Seconds. Okay, stick your plate out. Here comes some more. This is from John chapter 3. So Jesus said, and I didn't put it in red letters, but this is Jesus speaking. He said, just as Moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of a venomous snake on a pole for all the people to see and be healed. Let me pause right there. Do you guys know this story? Good. Some of you don't, though. So I'm just going to give you, a, in a nutshell, what the story was. The Israelites were in the wilderness. They were being disobedient. They were grumbling. They were complaining because they forgot their slavery in Egypt, but they remembered the food. And they were constantly whining and complaining about everything because they didn't like where Moses was. So, you know, God allowed stuff to happen. He sent snakes into the camp, poisonous ones. I don't know how many, but if you don't like snakes, I don't like spiders. So if it was me in that time, he probably would have sent like large tarantulas that were deadly <laughs> or giant wasps or something because I don't like bees either. 
But, uh, but these snakes, I mean, at least a snake you can stomp on, but these things, they were biting the Israelites and they were, they were getting bit and poisoned and dying. And so they were crying out, Moses, go talk to God. Go get before him before we're all dead out here. And so Moses goes and so God tells him, okay, this is what you do. See, God is always thinking prophetically, always seeing the, the result, the, the future, the victorious answer to all of our problems. And he said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to make a bronze serpent and you're going to place it on a, on a pole and you're going to lift it up in front of the camp of Israel. And anyone gets bit by a snake, they go and look at that thing. All they got to do is just look at it and they will be healed. So Jesus takes that story, that actual history, his story, and says, just like Moses in the desert lifted up that brass replica of a venomous snake on a pole for all the people to see and be healed, so the Son of Man is ready to be lifted up so that those who truly believe in him will not perish but be given eternal life. For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique Son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. I trust that everyone in this room has turned to Jesus, has looked to the cross, because that is where the answer lies for your sin, for your sickness. And we're gonna celebrate communion in just a little bit here and partake in remembering this event, this sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. He did it for our healing. By his stripes we are healed. He was crushed for our sin. He was bruised for our iniquity. The, chast the chastisement that was upon him brings us peace. If you need peace, you look to the cross. If you need healing, you look to the cross. If you need freedom from demonic bondage, you look to the cross. Jesus paid it right there. The answer, the payment in full was right there access to the breakthrough, the healing, the forgiveness, all that you need is right there at the feet of Jesus. Okay, so your plate's almost full. I think there's enough room for some salad and some maybe some uh, mashed potatoes or something. Okay, so this is from Luke 24. We're almost there, guys. Very early that Sunday morning, this is after the cross, after he was taken off the cross, put in the tomb. Very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Jesus' mother Mary. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance, you guys are probably gonna see this, aren't you? We, we believe it's the exact place, but it is, okay. So they're gonna go there and see this in person. Take lots of pictures, please. <laughs> You'll come back and do a slideshow for us. If you didn't know, they're going to Israel in two weeks. Anyway, back to the scripture, okay. The, the large stone, huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside, so they went in to take a look. I mean, wouldn't you? Tammy, she's like, all right, walking in there. <laughs> no, they went to put spices on his body to anoint him and prepare for the whatever they call that. I don't think it's embalmment, but basically wrapping him up with spices. The tomb was empty. Well, I don't know if that's a result where hallelujah should be spoken right now, but the tomb was empty. Muhammad is in a tomb. Buddha's, Buddha is in a tomb. All of these different leaders of movements are, you can go to their tombs. 
There is no tomb for Jesus except for an empty one because he's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not dead. He is alive. He is alive. And not only is he alive right now enthroned in heaven at the right hand of the Father, he is alive by the Holy Spirit inside of you, sons and daughters. Yes. <sighs> wow. They stood there stunned and perplexed. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there stunned and perplexed. Suddenly, two men appeared above them in dazzling white robes. Oh, you need to have the flags right now. Oh. <laughs> dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, terrified the women fell to the ground on their faces. Ouch. The men in white said to them, why would you look for the living one in a tomb? He is not here, for he has risen. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was still in Galilee? The destiny of the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinful men, to be nailed to a cross, and on the third day to rise again. All at once they remembered. <laughs> Could have had a B8. They remembered his words. Leaving the tomb, they went to break the news to the eleven and to the others of what they had seen and heard. I love the rest of the story. We could just keep going and going for days on all the different variations, but um, I think it was Martha running, just running after meeting Jesus to go tell the disciples he's alive. <laughs> oh, why do I want to cry when I think of that? I don't know. That's just one of those special ones for me. Okay, so further in chapter 24 of Luke, this is the end of Luke, the book of Luke, which then leads us into the gospel of uh, the gospel of Luke, the book of Acts, which... Doctor the, Doctor the Luke. Luke the doctor wrote, I think it's pretty close to me being done here. Okay, while they were still discussing all of this, Jesus suddenly appeared right in front of their eyes. Startled, I mean, if Jesus appeared right now in this room, I believe he's here, but if he manifested himself visibly right now, I think you and I would all be wearing brown trousers. I'm serious, well, he is, oh my gosh. Sorry. Oh my gosh, you are too. Okay, I'll use a different example. You and I will all be on our faces, fainted. We will faint before the Lord. Okay, so he appeared among them. He said, um, let's see, where was I at? Oh, startled and terrified. Yeah, the disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost. Standing there among them, he said, be at peace. I am the living God. <laughs> Why is that messing me up right now? Don't be afraid. <laughs> Why are you so frightened? As he winks at them. <laughs> they got to know Jesus. He, he was among them for those years, and he probably had lots of jokes and laughing that they would probably never thought they would have experienced with the creator of the universe enfleshed in human body. So, yeah. Why are you so frightened? Don't let, don't let doubt enter your hearts. Someone needs to hear that tonight. Don't let doubt enter your hearts. See my pierced hands and feet. See for yourselves, it is I, it's me, standing here alive, touch me, and know that my wounds are real. A spirit does not have a body of flesh and bone as you see that I have. Then he showed them his pierced hands and feet and let them touch his wounds. There's a cult called the Jehovah's Witnesses that say Jesus well, you guys should know this. They're, they're, not, they're not Christian. They're, they're considered a Christian cult. Their Jesus is a different Jesus than the Bible. And they say that Jesus, when he rose from the, he rose as a spirit being, like a ghost. And he's not 
God in the flesh. He's you know, little God, little G. Anyway, that was just for free. It's probably only worth about a quarter. So anyway, um, let's go back to the scripture here. Yeah, we're done with that. Okay, so it says, he supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures and said to them, everything that has happened fulfills what the scriptures prophesied of me. See, they didn't have the New Testament to look at. All they had was the writings of the Old Testament that they had access to. Everything that was written about him, he's telling them it's been fulfilled. This, this was all prophesied. The Messiah was destined to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And now you must go into all the nations and preach. What are you going to preach? Repentance and forgiveness of sins. All repentance is, that can sound like a, a word that just makes you think, oh, i got to meet myself in the face and be really sad and sorry about my mistakes and throw dirt over myself and whip myself with branches. True repentance is a change of heart. It's going one direction and making a 180, going from your own way of living towards God. That's where I was in my satanic black metal teenage years. I was going my own way, claim, proclaiming myself to be my own God, and he took my life. He took my life and he turned me around. How's that song go? <laughs> Planted my feet on solid ground. Hallelujah. Okay, I won't sing it, but that's the song. <laughs> he did that. He, he took me from going my... He actually helped me repent, basically. He turned me around. He turned... He's like, took my head, and he's like, look at me, son. You're forgiven. You belong to... But... but it wasn't just you're forgiven, now you go do whatever you want. It's like, no, you belong to me now. You are mine. You can call yourself a slave to God, a slave to Christ. Paul calls himself that in places. A prisoner of Christ. He calls you brother and sister. Because you're no longer servants. But we still serve him. Because he's worthy of our serving Where did I stop? Now you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem, for you are my witnesses and have seen for yourselves all that, was, all that has transpired. I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. Someone needs to hear that tonight. I need to hear it. You need to hear it. Jesus said, I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. What is that promise? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, the, the promise of the Father, to you and me. And there's always more of Him. Where there's room for Him, there's more. Now, I don't think there will ever be room that's completely filled up because... There's just so much space for him to come and invade. He's a space invader. There you go. <laughs> so stay here in the city until you are clothed with the mighty power of heaven. Romans 10, this is the last scripture. My beloved brothers and sisters, this is to all of you all. The passionate desire of my heart and constant prayer to God is for my fellow Israelites. I would say for our fellow Bremertonians and beyond family members and beyond, Kitsap County, people in the whole state of Washington. 
our heart, our constant prayer is for them to experience salvation. For I know, although they are deeply devoted to God, not all of them, but in this case, they, the Israelites were, they are un unlightened, unenlightened. And since they've ignored the righteousness God gives, wanting instead to be acceptable to God because of their own works, someone needs to hear this tonight. I feel like we get, we, any of us, it's potential for any of us, we get into this danger zone of trying to earn our righteousness before God, our, our standing before God by our good works. He is reminding us here, as Paul so eloquently does over and over in scriptures, especially in Romans, they wanted to be acceptable to God because of their own works. They refused to submit to God's faith righteousness. See, our righteousness that we get to be standing in right standing with God is a gift that we receive by faith. Righteousness by faith, by believing. Having believed, you have been given the gift of righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law. And because of him, God has transferred his perfect righteousness to all who believe. Why don't you guys, oh, I was going to have you stand up, but there's a little more to that. Moses wrote long ago, Moses wrote long ago about the need to obey every part of the, so bright on that one part, that the need to obey every part of the law in order to be declared right with God. Right? We're going back to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Moses wrote that you need to obey every part of the law in order to be declared right. That's what the Bible says. The one who sins is, is a lawbreaker, guilty of breaking it all. So in order to be declared right with God, you had to obey every one of God's laws. It was a setup because God knew that no one could do it. He had to put the mirror in front of you and me, showing you and me and them that there's a problem. Houston, we got a problem. We got a lawbreaker here, sinful by nature. So the one who obeys these things must always live by them. The one who obeys these things must always live by them. But we receive the faith righteousness that speaks an entirely different message. Don't for a moment think you need to climb into the heavens to find the Messiah and bring him down, or to descend into the underworld to bring him up from the dead. But the faith righteousness we receive speaks to us in these words of Moses. See, even Moses prophesied the answer that was going to come years, hundreds of years later. God's living message is very close to you, as close as your own heart beating in your chest, and as near as the tongue in your mouth. And what is God's living message? It is the revelation of faith for salvation which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he's my Lord, I'm gonna tell you guys now. And I'm not gonna just leave it here in this room. I'm gonna let people know. I'm gonna tell my coworkers. I don't know what it's gonna look like Tuesday when I go back to work. I'm gonna tell somebody. I'm gonna tell them, hey man, Jesus is Lord. 
What are you going to do about it? <laughs> I don't know where it'll go from there. But we need to confess him. We need to let people know who we belong to. Whose are you? Who's, who's, who do you belong to? Whose are you? For if you declare it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart this special day that God raised him from the dead, then you will experience salvation. The, the heart that believes in him receives the gift of the righteousness of God. And then the mouth confesses, resulting in salvation. See, it's like belief. It comes in through your ears and eyes and into your mind and creates this, this substance, this gift of God called faith, and it goes into your spirit. And then all of a sudden, God's like, faith, righteousness, having believed, righteousness. I'm going to impute. He's going to like take your credit card account and he's going to pay the debt in full and give you everything you'd ever need on that. That's a bad example. Credit cards aren't good. So anyway, the heart that believes in him and receives the gift of righteousness of God and then the mouth confesses resulting in salvation. For the scripture encourages us with these words, everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. Now we can stand up. These guys are going to come up and they're going to lead us in communion tonight. I guess... Can you read that? Yeah. Okay, okay. There's, there's about four slides. I can tap it for you. You just turn around and yeah, read it up fine. there. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is good stuff, good message, like uh, love. Easter and all that it it reminds us of and brings back up to the front of our uh, minds that stuff that we don't always uh, put our focus on but we should um, one of the things I've, I was talking to Judah about this earlier today that I love that Bill Johnson says that is um, kind of convicting but good stuff and he says like if we really really like truly down deep believed God is who he says he is and Jesus is who he says he is we would live a whole different way and if we really truly believe that the word of God is his word and it is truth and we would like live a whole different way and every time I think about that I think I mean I believe it but like do I believe it down deep enough to where it impacts every bit of my life every day? Anyway, it's just really good stuff. And when I think about communion and um, the elements, the whole, all of what Jesus spoke over that, um, I just think of the those words and just think, man, we believe this down deeper than we ever have before, like... This stuff changes our lives. Yeah. I, I don't know what I have that goes with that because we didn't look at any of that, so I don't want to like hijack anything. So. Um, well, why don't you share what you have to share, and then we'll go through this. Okay. Thing. Okay, we'll roll with it and pray. Holy Spirit, up. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Okay. I, um. There's something that I feel like God has been speaking to me over the last, actually the last few months, but just about um, the blood that he shed on the cross. 
And for some reason, I was reminded, like, when did he first start, you know, shedding blood for us? And, and I felt like it was like, well, it was in the garden. That was when he first started, like, you know, dropping blood for us. It started even there, like, before they even started attacking and, and ripping and torturing and all that. So I, I just wanted to read through that a little bit just because I feel like it's so powerful for us to relate to the humanity of Jesus, to understand that even though he was God and man, that he had to struggle to make that sacrifice, to truly lay down his life. So just let this word, word speak for itself. Uh, in Matthew 26, it said, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but as you will. And in Luke, at that moment, it says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And I looked that up, and I'm sure many people have like looked that up, but that's actually a medical condition when you're overstressed and overanxious and um, just feeling... Your, your body starts to break down and the capillaries around your sweat glands actually start secreting blood. Like it's, that's how stressed out he was. So I was like, wow, Lord, like you were, you were sweating blood for us for real. That's a real thing. It's scientific. Uh, uh, then he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. So earlier it's like, he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And they're like, Cool, cool, yeah, we got you. You know, <laughs> like, come on, you guys, God help us. Uh, so he comes and he's like, what? Can you not even watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak, as they snored. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if the cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. I was thinking to myself as a mom, like if my kid, like, Mom, I cannot do this. If you tell me I have to do it, I will. But, like, can you please, is there any other way? Like, just seeing the pain and the stress in their eyes and, and, being, and having to say, like, no, this is, it's better. It's going to be better for everybody if you do this. But you're going to have to take a beating. Oh, sorry. I thought you were trying to push me. Okay. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Um, anyway, just thinking of God's heart and Jesus' heart as the sun. He came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same words. And then he came and said, are you still sleeping? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. So at that moment is when he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas, etc., Anyway, I just thought it was really powerful just to remember um, when it says that Jesus understands our, our humanity and our suffering. Um, I feel like right there is just such a, 
like I, I get anxious, I you know have nervous tendencies, etc. Like he was anxious, he was so anxious and overwhelmed that he's sweating, he's sweating blood. You know, like that's that's intense. I ain't ever had that. So I'm mean, that's, but he gets it. Like he gets it, and he still embraced all of that and said, "Whatever you say, I will do it. I will lay down my will." And I will do it because I love you, Father, and I honor you, Father, and I know that this is for them and those to come still. So just thinking of the fact that his blood that was shed on the cross began in the moments that he was laying down his will and, and beginning to really truly lay down his life in the garden for us, laying down all of his desires to see the Father get his reward. So anyway. Okay. 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 You are exactly who you say you are, God. Everything you have done in the past prophesies to my future. You died for me, and you are returning for me. Looks like this is going to be the part where we need to get the elements. Looks like it's time to take the elements. So, so if y'all would like to come up here and get some grape juice or wine and some crackers. So come on up here, guys. Not everybody all at once. Come get some. Come get some. Come get you some. this together I take your body participating in the reality that your death on the cross saved me 
I am being transformed daily into your image, and I will unite with you in heaven. and bless those around us. God, you are worthy. We bless your name. Thank you. Amen. Awesome. So, hey, guys, that was good. I know I kind of threw you into it tonight. We are supposed to go over it first, but we did. Hey, um, we do have some dessert to share with everybody. Um, I know some of our awesome people in the room will help get that stuff out and cut up. But more importantly than having a sweet to, to cure your sweet tooth, if you are here tonight needing prayer, then we just, we always open the front up. So if you need prayer, if you need healing, if you just need some encouragement, you need just whatever, you got some questions and you just need some help with it, whatever you need, we will make space up here um, for a more private setting for prayer. Otherwise, blessings on your week and blessings on your sweets if you're going to stick around and eat some. Yeah, I think that's all we got. Don't have anything. Oh, if you need more grape juice, there's still leftovers up here. Or wine. But be careful. All right. Amen.